Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Hollywood actors of a certain age have been getting some very favourable press about their style of body shape. Dad bod. Dad bod. Dad bod. Dad bod. Dad bod. We hear all about the glorified dad bod, but where's the celebration of the mum bod? What did dad's bod do other than continue on doing what it did before? How many of his internal organs relocated for several months while you grew an entire human? Today, we're going top to toe on all the things that can change when you create another living being as we celebrate all the shapes and sizes of the mum bod. As a society, we have created the image of the perfect pregnant woman. She's young, petite, slender, with just a cute bump on the front. She's glowing as she prepares for the miracle that is the birth of her child. She radiates strength and positivity as she's wheeled into the delivery room, the messiness of labour, something best kept on the down low. After the birth, her stomach has returned to the previous post-baby flat version, and she then becomes the perfect mother. Well, we are here to tell you today that that is a story for a small number of women. For the rest, it could mean a lot of extra weight. Changes to nipples, stomachs, feet, hair and, of course, vaginas that may never go back to the way they were before. Sometimes that ideal pregnant woman is actually a man, with transgender men having to work through the changes to their bodies differently to women post-birth. Sometimes that woman is in a wheelchair or is older than 25 or who's had kids already or has lost children to miscarriage. She or he can come in so many different shapes, sizes and colours It's about time we celebrated all of these things and not just the one version society tells us is the prettiest and therefore the best. I asked you what changes you experienced after carrying a baby in your body. The responses were funny. Snail trail. Pre-pregnancy, I had a working thyroid. Post-pregnancy, it's a shit show. RIP my boobs after two babies and going on three years of breastfeeding. They are gone like golf ball in a football sock. My belly button is now a sad face and if I gather all my belly together, I can make a donut with it. Frustrating. Pre-pregnancy, coffee didn't affect me. I could drink espresso before bed, but I've had to start limiting caffeine to before 2pm. Any garlic that's not fresh garlic gives me reflux. I can't eat yoghurt anymore. My hair is completely different now. It used to be silky and shiny, and now it's just all out of whack. Frizzy, oily, yet somehow dry. I've tried all of the things, but it's just different now. And really interesting. I get one new mole every time I'm pregnant. My rib cage has expanded. It hasn't gone back. So I went up half a shoe size with each pregnancy. I used to be an eight. Four daughters later, I am now a size 10. 
I had a wisdom tooth come through during each of my pregnancies. But all celebrated the fact that those bodies created another human life. So what exactly is happening when our bodies stretch to make room for a tiny person? Dr Vicky Woodward is an obstetrician at the Royal Women's Hospital in Victoria. Vicky, can we start at the top? Why do so many women report hair changes after pregnancy? So it's actually the hair follicles that get affected by pregnancy and so they basically go into a period of quiescence. So they just rest during pregnancy. So in fact, nothing is happening during pregnancy to your hair but what that results in is usually thicker hair. The big fallout of hair happens after the birth of the baby and the same with colour change. So it actually is probably just that the hair is resting and not doing very much and so that tends to make the colour change a little bit. But the biggest thing is a thickening of hair and then about two weeks after a baby is born, hair falls out. Well, let's move down slightly to eyesight. I know I had worse eyesight whilst I was pregnant, but that improved afterwards. A lot of people report some issues with eyesight during pregnancy. What's happening there? So vision changes during pregnancy are very common. They're probably a little bit more common for women who already wear glasses or have some issues with their vision. But what is happening is you get a bit of water retention. Everyone knows that, your puffy hands and puffy feet in pregnancy, but that also affects your eyeball. And so that changes the curvature of your eyeball and can change your vision. And it's usually temporary. When you're no longer pregnant, you wheel that water back out again and then your eyeballs go back to normal. So it's just a temporary change. Why do some women have really bad dental issues during pregnancy? My mum in particular lost like a whole bunch of teeth after having three kids. Why? So babies, as we all know, take a lot from us while we're pregnant. One of the big things that they take from us is calcium. And so if you haven't got great calcium levels to start with, or if you're not great at getting calcium in in your diet, one of the things that's going to be affected is your teeth. And so that may not manifest during the pregnancy, but might manifest later on. One of the other things that women tend to do is put off going to see the dentist because they're pregnant. And so that can then catch up with them later on as well. So we encourage women to go and see dentists, let them know that you're pregnant. It's okay to have a clean and scale while you're pregnant. But the changes in teeth are usually about calcium or just not quite attending to your teeth as you might have otherwise. Can you give us an idea of just how much movement your internal organs go through when you are growing a whole other person? There's a video that went viral a few years ago of like the transition of organs shifting about, which just blew my mind. Just how much shifting is going on? huge amount. So where your uterus ends up sitting and filling your entire abdomen, so it goes from your pubic bone right up into your rib cage and right out to the sides, that is normally where all of your bowel sits. So that bowel gets squashed to the back and off to the side. Your liver will move up a little bit. Your stomach moves up a little bit on the left. And then also the diaphragm lifts up a little bit to let all of those contents fit into your abdominal cavity. And what happens when your diaphragm lifts up a little bit is your lungs get a little bit squashed. And so that's why a lot of women will report feeling like it's a bit hard to breathe and they can't get a full breath in. And that's because their functional lung capacity has reduced a little bit. So there is a huge amount of organ movement. And the other one down the bottom is the bladder. And every pregnant woman knows that bladder gets squashed and that manifests as needing to go to the toilet all the time. Can there be issues with them returning to their rightful spots post-pregnancy? No. So that is the great news. Everything goes back to where it belongs after the baby's out. What about our skin? There's so many different skin-related things. We couldn't possibly cover them all here today. But the majority discuss like moles appearing or freckles appearing or changes to colour in some areas. What's happening there? So one of the things that the hormones of pregnancy do is it 
increases anything that's got melatonin in it. So anything that might be dark, so that might be moles or freckles or birthmarks, they're going to tend to get darker. Some women who have keloid scars might notice that their keloid scars get a bit darker as well. And then some other women will get dark areas in places they've never had before. So the classic is one called a linear nigra, which is a dark line that runs from your belly button down to pubic bone. It's more common in women who've already got slightly darker skin to begin with. And that's just an increase in that melanocytic coloration, so that all the dark coloration in your skin. Most of those will go back to normal after the pregnancy's over, but some women will be left with some skin changes. But yeah, you're right. There are a huge number of skin things that can happen in pregnancy, a lot to cover. Well, can we look at our stomach for a second? That obviously goes through some pretty significant changes and stretch marks come along with that, obviously. But there are some other muscle-related things that can happen in the process of that stretching out and retracting. Our tummy is made of these amazing, strong, vertical, strap-like muscles that go and go from your rib cage again down to your pubic bone. And they tend to get stretched initially and then they get pushed out to the side. So they're not as strong as they normally are. So that's why a lot of women will get a bit of back pain. It's easy to injure your back because you haven't got the strength of those lovely core muscles helping you. Obviously, your skin is also going to get really stretched and that might give you stretch marks. But also after the baby's born, a lot of women report that they feel like the skin never goes back to that lovely, tight, flat, shiny skin that they might have had beforehand and it kind of looks a bit crinkled and stretched and that is exactly what's happened to it. And so the muscles tend to move and they do get stretched. Other things women talk about after the birth of the baby is a little bit of separation in those muscles right up at the top. So it's given a name. It's called DRAM, which is just a separation of those muscles. And a really good women's health physio will be able to help you work out how to get that improved afterwards. Let's move up slightly to the boobs. A lot of women report after having children and breastfeeding that they end up with boobs and we've had some hilarious descriptions of what they actually look like now. But what is going on inside our boobs and why do they have to end up saggier after? Yes. So our boobs get bigger during pregnancy. So the first thing that happens is that the glandular tissue, the tissue that makes the milk is going to grow. The vascular tissue is going to grow so that it can help to make the milk as well. And that can happen from very early in the pregnancy. Women will know their boobs are changing from as early as 12 weeks. You can actually start making colostrum or milk as early as 16 weeks in pregnancy. So a huge amount of boob changes. Plus, you'll also get fluid retention in the boobs. So they'll get bigger Then after the baby's born, they get a lot bigger quickly once that milk comes in. We talk about it being engorged, but they get really big and they can get hard and uncomfortable. That's usually temporary and it gets better. Then when you finish breastfeeding, yes, a lot of women say, hang on a minute, (laughs) they haven't gone back to where they were and they're quite saggy. And really what that is about is that weight of all that extra tissue and fluid that has pulled the breasts down while they've been bigger and heavier stretches these ligaments believe it or not there's ligaments with the breast so stretches those ligaments at the top of the breast and so instead of being nice and tight and holding the breasts up they're just a little bit saggier unfortunately and nothing a good bra can't fix though let's head to the vagina and vulva area we have heard many a horror story about tearing and stitching and all those kinds of things or episiotomies. A lot of women, though, who don't go through that kind of birth trauma report that the thing that changes probably the least is their vagina. Actually, there's quite a lot of changes that go on in the vagina and vulva during pregnancy, and that's all about the hormones affecting them. But it's not stuff that women would necessarily notice. Afterwards, if you've had stitches, they will generally heal really quickly within two to six weeks. 
And then a lot of women say, yeah, not much has changed really. So the one big change that happens after birth that women get a bit of a surprise about is when you're breastfeeding, your estrogen in your body is low. It's what stops you ovulating and having another baby quickly. But it also means that all the tissues down the bottom end, the bladder neck, the vulva, the vagina, which are supplied by estrogen, are a bit drier. And so sometimes when women go back to having sex, they find that it's a bit uncomfortable. And that's actually something really important for women to know can happen because we can actually do something about it. So lubricant, estrogen cream, and knowledge. And so that is probably the biggest change that happens is after the baby's born. Now, this is one that I experienced that was incredibly frustrating because I had to throw out half my wardrobe. Feet grow sometimes during pregnancy. Why? So we don't think your feet actually grow. We think it's the weight of all that stuff at the top end getting bigger and heavier and it basically spreads your feet. So the ligaments that are holding all the little bones of the feet together get a little bit stretched and relaxed like all ligaments do in pregnancy and so you get these broader feet. And so feet get bigger but they're not actually growing. They're just getting wider and less well held together, shall we say. And so often that means women end up going up a shoe size. Can we talk about trans men who are pregnant? How do their bodies, because obviously they would take testosterone up to a point if they are transitioning that way, how do their bodies change differently to a non-trans woman? Not much, actually. So generally what happens is it's usually a considered pregnancy and so we've stopped the hormones in preparation for getting pregnant. So the biggest thing is about preparing those men for changes back towards a more female body, which can be really traumatizing. And so we have to be really upfront about what might happen there because their body will essentially behave just like a pregnant body. And they need to be prepared that that might not be something that they're comfortable with or prepared for unless we've talked about it with them. But essentially much the same. The ability to make milk will sometimes depend a little bit on how developed or underdeveloped the breast tissue is. But other than that, pretty much the same. What about women who have a disability? What needs to be taken into consideration? Obviously, it would depend on what that disability is, but is there anything, like say someone who's say in a wheelchair who has to consider something different to those who are able to walk? Do we have to consider those kind of things during pregnancy? We do. So obviously everybody's disability is different. And so the most important thing with those women is that we sit down and talk with them and talk to them about their individual needs. But women who are in a wheelchair might have trouble passing urine and they might actually be self-catheterising already. So they might be at a little bit more risk of urine infections. As their body grows and changes, they might be a bit more prone to some of the discomforts of pregnancy or difficulties with all the muscle changes and everything we talked about earlier. And then obviously giving birth might be very different for those women. And so it's a little bit difficult to give an answer because what we end up doing with those women is sitting down and going through their individual story, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. And also probably having a conversation about their experience with the medical system because that actually makes a difference to how we make them feel safe during birth as well. Our bodies have gone on an amazing journey and done its best to get us back to our new normal, whatever that looks like. But the pressure to so-called snap back is still really intense. We see news articles celebrating a celebrity who's managed to reclaim her pre-baby body. Those who don't are scorned as not being able to shift the baby weight and how depressing that must be for her. Dr Blair Williams is a research fellow and lecturer at the Global Institute for Women's Leadership based at the Australian National University in Canberra. Blair, why do we see such a celebration of the dad bod, but mum bod is still so criticised? 
a big part of why it's different is sexism, misogyny and patriarchy. <laughs> we live in a society that for some time have felt quite a bit of discomfort with pregnancy, with post-pregnant bodies. So because what is involved in a patriarchal society kind of sees that as kind of something that is to be disdained or to be hidden or concealed. And previously, pregnancy was concealed. Women were encouraged, I guess, to wear clothes that didn't really emphasize their pregnant bellies or, you know, some women were even hidden in total. So it's interesting to see that kind of shame and the abjection happens still to this day. But it's not only that, I think, it's also the way that women's bodies are seen in general. Women are constantly having to live up to these expectations of how our bodies should look, what our bodies should do, that are extremely unrealistic when we're coming to look at post-pregnant bodies. It's like you can't jump back from actually being pregnant because that takes a massive toll on your body and you're going through these amazing things to be able to birth a child. Yet we celebrate bodies of men that have not birthed children, you know? It's interesting to see that kind of double standard there. I know we've got a very long way to go, but are we changing that narrative for the better? Now we are seeing so much more in our social media feeds on channels like, you know, TikTok of people celebrating their mum bods and celebrating post-pregnant tummies and really showing what, you know, the reality is of post-pregnancy. Are we moving in a good direction now, you think? In the last few years, it's really interesting to see that kind of narrative change. So before, maybe like 10 years ago or so, mum bods were seen as essentially code for frumpy or unsexual or women letting themselves go, like those kinds of negative connotations, where I think 2015 was really kind of the turning point of women reclaiming their bodies, saying, hang on a minute, why do dad bods get to flaunt themselves or why are we championing men reclaiming their dad bods? Why aren't we doing that for women because of what we've gone through? Why is that not happening? And so you see women calling that out and using social media to do so. So I think one of the first posts that went mainstream about this issue back in the mid-2010s was on Instagram of women saying, you know, men with dad bods have not carried a baby in their tummies for 40 weeks, yet they're being glamorized. Why are we not doing this for mothers? And reclaiming this amazing process that every pregnant person has gone through. And it kind of started in 2015, you know, hitting back against the misogyny. And then I think TikTok and the rise of TikTok in the last year or two has really brought that out again. And, you know, I've noticed there's been that kind of mum bod TikTok challenge, that trend that really uh, took off in 2020. And that continues today with women showing off their bodies and saying, yes, I have a saggy belly, I have stretch marks, I have this or that. And I'm proud of it. You know, I have that because I have my children and that is strong and that is powerful. It does seem sad that in 2021, women are still asking to just be able to exist in the body that they occupy, that it not be broken down and deemed valid or not, depending on the value society gives a flat stomach or a perfect butt. So now we're taking back the narrative and we're celebrating not just the mum bod with its insane ability to stretch and contract and create human life, but all the bods. Black, white, brown, big, small, pre-baby, post-baby, able-bodied, living with a disability. Let's just be thankful for the skin that we're in. I have always been overweight with a big tummy, spent many years despising my body, but after having a healthy pregnancy and healthy, happy babies, I could never hate this body again. I worship what it can do now. Although a bit more saggy, I really love my body. This episode of The Quickie was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Ian Camilleri.
And before we go, we thought we'd give you a taste of The Undone, a Mamma Mia show by Em and Lucy who are navigating their 20s without a GPS. So this is a list of things where you definitely have to get rid of your friends. No questions asked, okay? okay? So get rid of your friends if they use you as a soundboard. Get rid of your friends if the give and take isn't equal, if you realise that they know everything about your life but are hiding things from you. But also the other way around. Like if someone is just dumping on me every time I say them, no. No, get rid of them. Get rid of your friend if they buy you a candle for your birthday. No, I don't agree. I love candles. Candle is the most generic (laughs) gift. You know it's the gift you give someone because everyone likes candles. Find The Undone wherever you get your podcasts. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.